You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine. And we want to take some time to let you know what's going on with River Rock Church. So we do not have a place to meet where we feel that you and your family would be safe with social distancing, the COVID-19 risk. So since we don't have a suitable building to meet in, we've been meeting outside at the Cricket Field parking lot on 1001 West Commerce Drive in Belle Plaine. So um, it's been great. We've done it, I think, three or four weeks now. But we know that it could get muggy or buggy or windy or rainy. So we've come up with an FM transmitter. So you can bring your own chairs and sit outside for our worship service at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Or you can sit a little further back in your car and listen. I think the transmitter's at 88.7 FM and uh, run your air conditioning and listen in your car and still be part of the service. Otherwise, what I'm doing is I am uh, like pre uh, sharing my message right here on this video. And uh, in weeks past, I've recorded it multiple times to try to get it right. Uh, today, uh, for the sake of time, and since more people are coming to church and less people are having to watch the video, I'm going to use my notes and just kind of run through what I'm probably going to say tomorrow. So you can still come tomorrow. Maybe you'll hear some of the same things. Maybe the Holy Spirit will inspire me to say some other things. Our purpose to get together is to fellowship, not just to hear me preach. So anyway, uh, pray for River Rock Church to find a suitable building. Uh, your safety is our utmost priority. Uh, one of the largest churches uh, in the Twin Cities with multiple campuses has decided that they're not, they're not actually going to meet until August, like the middle of August. So um, anyway, we're working on it. We're praying about it. But your safety is utmost importance. Uh, we received a prayer request from another church in the next county that 11 people in the church have COVID-19. And we don't want to be a church like that that has to be concerned about that. So anyway. Um, uh, we've got life, the things that we do have going on, I want to share with you real quick. We have life groups. So we have, um, we have a prayer meeting, just a few of us prayer meeting Saturday morning at 8 a.m. at the ministry center it goes for like a half an hour or so. Uh, women's Bible study. You want to get in, in touch with the leader of that because when the women are able to meet on Saturdays, they're meeting at 8.30 in the morning on Saturdays at our ministry center going through the book of Psalms. On Tuesday night, uh, when guys can get together, we send out a text message in the morning and see who can make it. And then if we've got enough guys, then we have men's Bible study. Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock goes from like 7 to 8.30 where we share life and look in God's Word to encourage one another and build each other up. Then on um, Wednesday, we've got youth group which is going from, probably going to get the times wrong here, uh, I think it's going from 6 to 7.30, and they're switching out now since it's the summer, so it's lesson night, then game night, lesson night, then game night, so uh, contact us if you want more information about junior high and senior high youth group, which is meeting at the ministry center. Uh, we are praying for more youth group leaders. We could use uh, some more women, godly women, to get involved. 
Then on Thursday, we have a life group in Jordan, the next town over, and they're going through the book of First Peter. Um, but you want to connect with their leaders because of vacations and things like that. So we are meeting. We are unable to do children's church, unable to do nursery, unable to do midweek children's programs. Uh, we are going to try to do a backyard Bible club. Uh, so we're looking for places or um, families to host uh, that. We have leaders um, through Child Evangelism Fellowship and anyway, so those things are going on. We're having a weekly worship service, and we're putting this online. So if you go to our uh, River Rock um, YouTube playlist, you'll see some songs to sing along with, uh, some stuff, children's ministry uh, videos from uh, Life Church that we plugged in. Uh, if you go to our website to go to riverrockchurch.com slash watch, you'll see uh, links to all these things and also a place where you can download children's bulletins and things like that. Um, River Rock Church is supported by your gifts. So uh, if you don't support River Rock Church, River Rock Church might not be here. In the future, River Rock Church is supported by the uh, tithes and offerings, the gifts of those people who attend and benefit from River Rock. So if you could help support River Rock, that would be great. Send your prayer request to riverrockchurch.com slash pray. Um, anyway, Go to riverrockchurch.com, see what's going on. So let me share this message now. Let me share a message about God's people endure faithfully. God's people endure faithfully. So who are God's people? God's people are God's children, those who have been adopted. Uh, I was on a uh, Facebook youth ministry site. Somebody said, hey, what are some of those sayings that are in the Bible that everybody thinks is? I'm like, oh, I've got one. Um, we're all God's children. Uh, no, actually, John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So that means, uh, if you read more, Jesus says that we're children of the devil. If we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we're not adopted by God the Father. So therefore, if we're going to be God's people, we need to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Place our faith in Jesus. Acknowledge that we're sinners, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We need to place our faith in Jesus so we can be God's people. And a great way to do that is through prayer. Prayer is talking to God and praying something like this. Lord Jesus I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. Please come into my life and save me. Make me the person you, made, you created me to be. I want to follow you. So something like that. Uh, it's not the words. It's that you mean what you're praying to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So God's people have been adopted into the family. God's people uh, are Given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us and empowers us. The Holy Spirit gives us a mission to go into all the world and to make disciples. The Bible tells us that we're to love and to care for one another. The Bible calls us to be ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ. We are on a mission to share Jesus with people so that they can spend eternity in heaven with Christ uh, with us, those who are Christ followers. So uh, that in ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, look at 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21 when you get a chance. But to simplify the Christian experience, love God, love people. Think about it. What are you doing to show your love for God? What are you doing to love God with your life and the things that you do? What are you doing to love others? Satan wants to destroy us. Satan wants to divide us and distract us. Uh, some of the things that we're going through right now, we realize there needs to be racial change, and we need to change those things. We also need to keep proclaiming faith in Christ. Uh, our Minneapolis Police Department, we live in Minneapolis, we're like 35 
miles away. But in Minneapolis, they want to get rid of the police department uh, and come up with something else. And I think they should really start posting the Ten Commandments around if they're going to do that. And um, people need to change your heart because just because you change a, a policing structure or an authority structure doesn't mean that everybody's going to start to be good and uh, not commit any crime. So uh, pray for them as they try to fix that. Everything's a mess, as you know. But I want to stay focused on this. God's people enduring faithfully from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So we need to be focused on Christ. We need to be focused on living out His mission for our life. And we also need to be Christian leaders. One of the reasons that we don't have a have perfect political candidates to vote for is because we have a big leadership training problem. We took God out of the schools, Christian leadership trainings, almost non-existent. And so uh, Chuck Swindoll had written in his commentary about leadership, and I thought it was important enough to share. He writes, because leadership is an essential to the success of an organization, and I mean any organization, a nation, a sports team, a business, a school, a family, an army, or a church, the secret of success and progress rests with those in charge. Those in charge, we need godly leadership. But what is leadership? Simply put, leadership is inspiring influence. It's the ability to light a fire in people's hearts and minds that motivates them to do things they never thought possible, like rallying an army at the brink of defeat to victory, reviving students who are barely passing their courses to acing their exams, and renewing churches at the brink of implosion to a new sense of mission and explosive growth. In business, a good leader can stimulate high morale while increasing profitability. In a family, good leadership can leave a legacy of strong character. That's what good leaders do. But it's not as easy to describe who leaders are or to prescribe how they get that way. If you were to analyze a variety of effective leaders, you'd be hard-pressed to find clear similarities on the surface. Temperaments vary among leaders, yet one common thread runs through the fabric of them all. Their ability to get along well with people. In his book, The Making of a Christian Leader, Ted Ingstrom, he was the head of Youth for Christ. He also was a a head of World Vision. He explains, the great American entrepreneur, John D. Rockefeller, stated, I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun. According to a report by the American Management Association, an overwhelming majority of the 200 managers who participated in a survey agreed that the most important single skill of an executive is the ability to get along with people. In the survey, management rated this ability more vital than intelligence, decisiveness, knowledge, or job skills. Chuck Swindoll says, I find this fascinating. Relationships are more important to good leadership than temperament, technique, and intelligence. This is something I've learned myself over several decades of pastoral ministry, something the Apostle Paul illustrates for us in the first 12 verses of 1 Thessalonians 2. So let's look at that. Let's look at that. I've got um, three, three areas that will help you to endure faithfully and to make a difference for Christ in this world, to make a difference for Christ in this life. All right. Number one, show courage in spite of opposition. Show courage in spite of opposition. First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 2. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure, You know just how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. 
So Paul is continuing in this letter to the church of Thessalonica. And so Paul and Silas had shown up in this town. Uh, some don't know if they were there for three weeks or three months, but basically they got chased out of town. So Paul's saying, you know that when we came, even though it was a short time, even though we got chased out of town, uh, even though we got accused of things and like had to, had to sneak out of town at night, um, you know yourselves, brothers and sisters, that our, their visit to you was a success. And we really need to think about that. God can use us in many different ways, and sometimes he puts us in a place where we're there for a long time, and sometimes he puts us in a place where we're just there for a bit. And we can bear spiritual, we can, we can help uh, people have fruitful lives, help people come to Christ in those brief interactions or those long terms. Uh, we can do so many things to help people grow in Christ. Um, so it would have been easy for Paul to walk away when the crowd turned against him. You know, he could have just said, you know what, um, obviously uh, this is too hard, so I'm just going to go to the next town. So I've got a lot of places I can go, a lot of things I can do, but instead he knew that God had called him to uh, Thessalonica at that time, and he was faithful. He was faithful and had courage in uh, face of the opposition. So people spread false, malicious rumors about them. Um, that's in Acts 17, 1 through 10. You can read about his experience in uh, Thessalonica. I shared that in a prior message like a week or two ago. So maybe you want to listen to that. But anyway, so sometimes um, God has us someplace for a long time. Sometimes it's a short time. Sometimes uh, we share our faith in passing. Sometimes we develop friendships and relationships to help um, give us opportunities to share Christ. Uh, we need to be faithful, plant those seeds, uh, share testimony, uh, do all that we can to lead people to Christ and to trust God for the results. But here he says, our God gave us the courage. Our God gave us the courage to declare the good news to you boldly. You know, when we're pressured, when we are opposed, when people are talking against us, when we are afraid, it's easy for us to sit down and be quiet. It's easy for us to compromise the message. It's easy for us to try to tell people things that we think they want to hear so that they don't think poorly of us, so that they don't give us a bad review online, so that they don't cancel us, a new word in our culture. But when God calls us to be faithful, when God calls us to do things, when God calls us to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, when God calls us to proclaim the truth of God's word without compromise, that is a scary thing to do. And um, sometimes we don't feel up to it. Sometimes we're afraid of it. Sometimes we're concerned about where that will lead in our future if we do that. But when God calls us to it, when the Holy Spirit motivates us, gives us courage to do it. It's not a courage to be uncaring or mean or just run people over, but a courage to love, a courage to care, a courage to share. So show courage in spite of opposition. Fear causes you to, to feel weak and lose heart. Uh, sometimes we're afraid that people will ask us a question, especially when we're sharing our faith, ask us a question we don't know the answer to, um, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I've read a lot of stuff, studied a lot of stuff, and I still feel afraid that someone's going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And my response to that is, that's a good question. 
you know, can I get back to you on the answer? I want to I wanna check something. I want to make sure I give you the best answer in the, in the best way. So can I, I'm going to write that down or I'm going to email it to myself. And then can I get back to you on that? I want to answer that one correctly. So sometimes we are afraid that people will bring up our past, our past sins, our past failures. And so sometimes we don't want to uh, share Christ or be ambassadors for Christ, especially in places that are familiar, neighborhoods, family. Uh, you know, friendship evangelism is where you make friends so you have an opportunity to share Christ with them. And sometimes we really like those friendships. So what we'll do is we'll establish the friendship but then we'll become afraid to share our faith in Christ because we don't want to lose the friendship. It's like, oh, I made a friend and he's got a really nice boat and he takes me fishing and I don't think he likes Jesus and I don't want to share my faith because I might lose the friendship. <laughs> That's not the courage we're supposed to have. So, but we can share about Christ in a winsome way. We can share about Christ in a good news way because what's the best thing that could ever happen to a person in their entire life? That, that they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior we need to show courage. We need to know that people are depending on us. So, verse 2, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Uh, just before coming to Thessalonica, Paul and Silas had visited the city of Philippi where they had met a group of women who were meeting for prayer outside the city. One of them, Lydia, became a believer and insisted that Paul and Silas stay at her home. One day, Paul and Silas were accosted by a demon-possessed slave girl who yelled at them. She continued to do this day after day whenever she saw them. Finally, Paul spoke to the demon and forced it to leave the girl. Oh, the girl, the girl had been set free of the demon. Her masters were angry that she could no longer make money for them by telling fortunes. They formed a mob, and Paul and Silas were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison with their feet in the stocks. Suffering for sharing the good news of Christ. Suffering for living for Christ. Uh, shouldn't that be a mob that protested peacefully that this girl shouldn't have been uh, a slave, shouldn't have, been, uh, shouldn't have had masters? Um, that's messed up. You know, if you look throughout all history, um, the history of nations, uh, what happened during Bible times, what happened... Uh, in our country and countries around the world, slavery has always been a thing. It's still a thing. It's wrong. Uh, we need to do all that we can to set slaves free. Uh, yet, the Bible talks about being slaves to Christ, uh, bond servants to Christ. Uh, I think the ESV changed the world, the word from uh, slaves to bond servants. But anyway, um, the general idea that um, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master, is the one who we serve because he bought us with a price. Uh, that is a good uh, analogy that we can still use. I think we can still use it. So anyway, all right, show courage in spite of opposition. Show courage and keep coming back. Keep being faithful. Don't give up because something bad happened or because it didn't work out at one place or, uh, or you shared your faith and it didn't work out. Do all you can to um, Keep being faithful to serve and have courage in spite of opposition. Have courage in spite of opposition. 2 Corinthians 2.3, Paul says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. So it's not a sin to be afraid or fearful. Uh, sometimes that's when faith shows up. You know, when you don't feel like doing something and you pray about it and you ask God for help, sometimes those are the times when it works 
uh, the best, when you're the most effective, when you know that you can't do it on your own, that you can't do it in your own strength. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And uh, as, far as, as far as the priority of what we're doing, having courage to live for Christ, courage to share the gospel, Jude 123 says, Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Number two, please God instead of people. Please God instead of people. Sometimes it's easy to be a people pleaser, see more immediate rewards. But we're to please God in everything that we do. And as we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. As we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, He promises to provide all that we need. We need to please God instead of people. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 through 7. So Paul is answering or writing in regards to what people were saying about him, what people were saying about he and Silas after they left. Uh, the people were spreading rumors that weren't true. Paul is saying, hey, I, these weren't my motives. You know as well as I do. Um, this is who I am and what I'm about and my motives. And so these people that say that my motives were impure, uh, that I was um, trying to get stuff from you, that that's not true. Uh, so Paul says, so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. So he's saying that when we shared this message with you about Christ, when we write this book, uh, this letter to you that talks about life in Christ, uh, faith in Christ, and even end time stuff, um, we're not using uh, deceit. We're not trying to trick you. We're not, uh, we don't have impure motives. Uh, verse 4, we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. So God has approved uh, them as messengers to give them this very important life-changing truth, this very important life-changing teaching when applied to their lives will transform them, will transform their lives, will transform their families, will transform society. Paul writes, our purpose is to please God, not people. How many of us can say that? Is your purpose to please God, not people? It's easy to be a people pleaser. It's easy to try to do things to uh, win their favor. It's easy to try to get people to like you. It's easy to try to get people to speak well of you. It's easy all the way around to um, please God, uh, to, to please people more than God. But we need to please that audience of one. That needs to be our number one priority. And there's reward there. It is so much better. Uh, sometimes we think we failed and God totally uses what we've done, uh, uses our message, uses uh, when we shared our faith, uses um, our ministry, uh, uses our good works. Uh, God uses it when we don't even think it's been used because our purpose was to please God. Sometimes those people, uh, the homeless people, the needy people or whatever, sometimes I wonder, you know, is this a profession to them? Do they do this uh, full time? Is this what they, how they make their living? Are they really homeless? Because they've been out on that street corner on and off when I've driven by for like months and you'd think they would have found something by now. But um, when I do give them things, I think to myself, okay, Lord, you see what I'm doing. I'm doing this as an act of worship for you. I hope that it helps them, but I'm trying to please you, honor you, worship you by my life choices. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. God knows what you do it 
what you do and why you do it. God knows how you're feeling about it when you do it. Uh, God knows if you uh, are doing ministry grudgingly. Uh, God knows God knows everything. And so he examines the motives of your heart. Uh, then Paul says, never did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. Uh, flattery is uh, something that uh, people try all the time. Uh, if you want to get on somebody's good side, you try to flatter them. So if you're thinking to yourself, wow, he looks pretty good in that shirt. Uh, this is a Father's Day gift from my daughter and granddaughters. Thank you. I'm looking good in this shirt you gave me for Father's Day. So, yes. Uh, anyway, uh, no wonder I take so much time. As you well know, uh, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. So uh, Paul, as an apostle, a traveling teacher, had the right, a traveling uh, evangelist, apostle, had the right to ask the church to provide for him, to pay him. And um, he was a tent maker. He had the skill of making tents, so he was able to do that uh, to provide for himself. Uh, today we have some pastors that are uh, tent-making pastors that either uh, do a job full-time, and then they also do church ministry, or they have a part-time job and they do church ministry. Um, I have uh, prayed and sought uh, side jobs before, and uh, so far they haven't worked out very well. And as I pray about it, I feel like God's telling me to be faithful and keep serving Him in ministry full-time. Uh, but if He releases me from that or whatever, then things could change at any time. But uh, pastors in churches that do uh, um, get paid by the church are able to do the work of the ministry full-time and dedicate themselves to that. Um, sometimes when a pastor has to work a job full-time and then try to do the church as a volunteer, uh, it doesn't work out. Uh, very well. And sometimes it does. But anyway, Paul is saying that we weren't after your money. We weren't after your flattery. We weren't trying to trick you. We are giving you this teaching, this message, because we care for you. We love you. Instead, we are like children among you, humble, not making any demands. Uh, we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children uh, because they cared, because they loved, because um, the people were import, are important to them. Uh, and we need to please God instead of people. So think about that, okay? Whenever you do anything, think to yourself, okay, am I doing this to please God? Or am I doing this to please somebody else? Am I doing what I'm doing because people are around and they're going to see that I did this? God knows your heart. God knows what you do. God knows your motives. God sees everything you do and why you do it. And anyway, let's move on. Number three, live lives worthy Live worthy and encouraging lives. Number three, live worthy and encouraging lives. So Paul continues, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you night and day? We toiled and earned a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you. As we preach God's good news to you, you yourselves are witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. So Paul says... Like I said before, uh, he loved them, he cared for them, he was concerned about them, and we need to do that too. We need to live in a way that people know that we care, that people are encouraged, that people 
grow. When we um, seek to serve people and to share our lives with people, that means that uh, we need to do so in a pure, honest, and faultless way toward other believers. We need to treat believers as a good father would treat his own children. Uh, we need to try to help people uh, grow in spiritual maturity, uh, pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. So, um, when we're around other Christ followers and non-believers, we need to realize that people are watching us, and we represent Christ. And the things that we do, and the things that we say, and the things that we're interested in, and the words that come out of our mouth, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've got trash coming out of your mouth, then you must have trash in your heart. But we need to do all that we can to live worthy and encouraging lives. Worthy and encouraging lives. Encouraging means to come alongside with helpful instruction and insight. Uh, comforting is nearly synonymous. It means to come alongside with sympathy and concern. This is especially important because terrible difficulties face those who converted to Christianity. Thirdly, I've been urging them to live lives worthy of God. Urging can refer to strong discipline applied to appropriately as needed. It literally means testifying. Paul did not water down the gospel message. All believers are given the task of conducting their daily lives worthy of God. So when we live in a way that honors Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. When we live in a way that um, is courageous, it makes all the difference in the world. When we live to please God instead of man, it makes all the difference in the world. And again, um, I'm not taking a whole lot of time on this video. This is just like a, a pre-run through the notes for what's going on, the live message tomorrow. But I'm going to put it out there anyway for those of you that couldn't make it, for those of you that uh, couldn't make it to church, had to stay home. Maybe you think, maybe you think you're getting sick and you're going to stay home. Maybe you have to work. Maybe you are not getting together in, with groups of people, even though we're trying to social distance and we're outside. But let me share these three points from uh, a great commentary about how this teaching will change your life. Paul's own pattern of God-honoring church-edifying spiritual leadership is the same whether our realm of responsibility is the home, a classroom, a church, or a business. Three pieces of essential advice gleaned from 1 Thessalonians 2, 1-12 will help all of us adopt a leadership style that works guaranteed. First, develop inner security. By looking inward, you don't want to imply that you seek personal strength and motivation within yourself. Our strength and motivation must come from Christ, but for effective spiritual leadership, you need inner security to accomplish the tasks before you. You need confidence in His calling, assurance of His equipping, and conviction about His purpose and goal. These things will keep you from becoming a people pleaser. You'll dodge the powerful temptation of flattery and manipulation. And that is so true, so true in every way. When you know what God has called you to do, when you know how He has been faithful in the past to help equip you and help you be, be successful, when you have a comfort to try things, to try new things, to step out there in faith, even though maybe you don't feel 
totally, totally competent. Maybe you haven't ever done a certain part of ministry before. Maybe something is new to you. Uh, you have this inner security that says, you know, God has been faithful in the past, so I'm going to trust him to be faithful now. You have this inner security that says, I know who I am in Christ, and even if I fail, he can still use it for his glory. Uh, I know who I have, am and what I've been called to be. I've called, been called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to live for him. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, in his commentary, in the application part for this passage, says, second, about leadership, commit to excellence. Refuse to lower the bar or fudge on the standards of life and ministry. You need to be committed to excellence in everything you do, no matter how hard it gets. Even if you're alone in the pursuit of excellence, that commitment can influence others to follow the same path. Discern the leadership vision God has for you in your particular circle of responsibility and follow it with unserving, unswerving passion. To pursue excellence, to become better. I could become better right now because I could record this like two or three times and I could like totally get rid of the notes. And if we were doing church, I would do that. So, but like I said, this is just a run through for those of you who are staying at home and there's a lot less watchers than there were when we were all doing church at home. So, but I know that to pursue excellence, I could become better. I know to pursue excellence that I can read, I can study, I pray, I memorize um, so many things you can do to get better, to pursue excellence and not just, you know, just be sloppy. Uh, excellence is great. However, excellence can also kill like a worship team. So if you've got a group of people that are excited about singing to the Lord and using their musical talents and you keep pushing them for excellence, uh, you might burn them out. You might make them discouraged. You might get them to say, oh, nothing's ever good enough. And then they quit on you. So um, excellence is good. Competence, that's good. So competence, efficiencies, uh, do what you can to live life worthy, uh, to live worthy and encouraging lives. Um, that is a good point. Third, third, the last point. Uh, third, maintain a deliberate faith. That means embracing a practical faith. Don't turn to faith only after everything else has failed. Start with faith. Take your first steps with prayer. Deliberately decide that you'll leave room for the living God in your life and that Christ will indeed reign supreme, that you'll depend on the Spirit's power rather than your own strength. This means exercising patience, self-control, and restraint, giving God room and time to act on your behalf with your heart in focus and your gaze set unswervingly, I'm sorry, unwaveringly, on your goal of a godly walk, both for you and those you influence, you carry out Paul's positive, practical leadership in your life. So the next time we get together, we'll be God's people overcome opposition on July 5th. So, I hope that God will use this for good. I hope that God will use the things that I shared with you and the things that I read to you in this video to make a difference in your life and impact someone else's life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be your servant and to proclaim a message to the people that you put in my circle and sphere of influence. Lord, I know that I could redo this and do this better, but I also know that there are other things that you have for me to do and that this is good enough for its purpose. Lord, I pray that you would ignite our hearts with a passion to win lost people to Christ. And I pray that you would give us courage 
in this time to stand for you boldly in a society where people are easily offended, uh, quick to cancel, um, standing opposed to the truths of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to help transform people's lives and situations. Lord, I pray that you would um, provide a building space for River Rock Church that is better uh, than we've ever had before. I pray that uh, you would do great things in our lives and the lives around us. So we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.